You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Rav Zilberstein describes the following incidents. There was an older woman with serious health issues. She had a married daughter. The older woman, let's call her Brindle. She was an almana. And she went to live by her daughter, who we'll call a Yehudis. So Brindle went to live by Yehudis, who was married and her family, because Brindle had gotten, uh, was ill. She couldn't live by herself. She wasn't able to, to deal with, um, the bills and other things. In fact, her illness was to a point that her kidneys had stopped working normally and she had to be on dialysis in order to stay alive. So Brindle has moved in with Yehudas. And the doctors speak to Brindle. Maybe Yehudas was there as well and said, there are two options for your dialysis. One, is, one option is that what we can do is um, we, we insert a tube uh, into your stomach four times a day, every single day. Now, to do this, your daughter is probably going to have to make sure that the tube, since it's going to be done four times a day, every day of the week, she's going to have to make sure that the tubes are clean. Um, and she's going to have to uh, uh, learn about how to do it properly. Now, it happened to be that in the case that Rev Zilberstein was talking about, Yehudis was actually a trained nurse. And I don't know if she was still a nurse, but she had trained as a nurse. And therefore, they expected her to be able to learn how to manage this process. Now, every, it was four times a day for approximately a half hour each time. So we're talking about every day being involved two hours or more. Now, the other option was going two or three times a week for dialysis, and that would happen in the hospital. And that would happen, uh, uh, the hospital would do it, and that would take each time, uh, uh, maybe it's gotten better, it would take each time 12 hours. So it's either going to the hospital two or three times a week for 12 hours or every single day doing it at home together with the help of Yehudas. The doctor explained to them that it's, it's, it's actually less successful being done in the hospital and having this 12-hour uh, intense situation in the hospital 
the 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 pain and the sense of discomfort is much greater. And um, also, um, there's issues about eating and drinking when you're going to be involved in this two or three times a week. And then the doctor turned to them and said very straightforwardly that life expectancy on the second type of dialysis is generally in patients much shorter. However, you could still live quite a few, perhaps even years, with both. So now the question was, Yehudas came to to, um, Zilberstein. She's got to decide what to do. Now, of course, why don't you do the first option? Now, this is very difficult to have to say. But the reason why they, the question was of doing the first option was because Yehudas' husband, Yanko, isn't happy about taking in his mother-in-law if his wife is now going to be two or three hours every day being involved in this dialysis. However, on the other hand, it might be difficult for Yehudas and stress on the family because of her husband. And maybe Yankel won't be able to deal with having his, his mother-in-law in the house and, and also having his wife dealing with her in such a, an intense way. Or perhaps, well, who cares? You need to give your your mother the greatest possible chance of living the longest time in the best possible way. Now, obviously, um, Robert Silberstein says the Yehuda should take Brindle into the house. We know that she's still Chayev in Kibudeim. And we know if you have to feed your mother, for sure you have to allow her to have health. And the fact is the dialysis she's going to have and in the house will clearly allow her to live longer. That's Bikuach Nefesh. And even if she wouldn't be her daughter, it's Leisam with Odam Reyecho. However, if Yankel says that he can, he doesn't want her in the house, as cruel as that might sound, Yehudis would not have, Yehudis would be Potter from, from taking her mother in in such a way. Why? In Shulchan Aruch it says that a woman, even Minhilchus Kibadeim, has a Shibud to her husband. And as long as she's married, technically she's parted from Kibbutz Now, if the husband says, I want you to be Mechabed, your mother, then he has lifted the, the burden off of her and she 
retains the chiv that she was born with. So if the husband here, who has the right to clamp down against and says he doesn't want her, then Yehudis does not have the chiv. Now, what about the fact, Rav Zilberstein says, that if you look at Shulchan Aruch, it says you have to honor your mother-in-law. So, L'chorah, Yehudis can tell Yanko, but you also have a chiv of honoring your mother, my mother. So how can you stop me from fulfilling this mitzvah? So this gets into what the Shach explains, based on the sources, that the responsibility to honor in-laws is not the same responsibility as honoring a parent. So it isn't like Yankel has, a, has, has, has kibbut av and aim for his in-laws. He needs to treat them, even though they might be slovenly bums, he has to treat them like uh, respectable people, like they are zikenim chashuvim. But not like a father and mother. And you, you, you have no, you couldn't ask Yankel to take in some other uh, person who was a, uh, an impressive aristocratic type of older person. He wouldn't have a chief to take him into his house. So you don't need to take your mother-in-law into your house. You have to honor her. You can't be, uh, you can't be chutzpedik to her. You, you have to speak with her in a, in a kind fashion. But to actually bring her into your house, if you believe that it's going to upset the balance of what's happening in your house, you wouldn't have that chiv. Um, Rav Zilberstein points out that the great uh, mystic of Tzvas, Rav Lezer Askeri, who wrote one of a very important book on mitzvos, the Sefer HaCharedim, uh, seems to say that um, the chiv of honoring your father and mother-in-law is from the Torah. And um, if it is from the Torah, the, the Vilna Gon explains that the Haredim is based on, there's two sources for uh, the two fathers-in-law that get honored in Tanakh. One is David HaMelech honoring Shol and speaking him and calling him Ovi, and the other source is Moshe Rabbeinu of how he treated Yisro. So David HaMelech calling Shol Ovi is considered a specious, might not be a pure source that you have to honor your, your in-laws. Because it could be he was only saying that in order to calm Shol down. And there's some that say when he said the word Ovi, he was referring to, uh, his, he was referring to uh, Avner, he wasn't referring to Shol. But the, the Vilna Gon points out that the Yershalmi brings a proof from Moshe Rabbeinu, how Moshe Rabbeinu went out to meet Yisro. And that would be a source from the Torah. So it could be the, 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 the Yankel would have to uh, um, allow Brian Dalin based on uh, based on the Haredim and the Vilnagon. Um, now, what about the fact that, forget about keep it up for a minute. You know about Brindel, she's going to live longer if she's in Yehudas's house with Yankel and getting this type of dialysis treatment. What right do you have to let her die 
the doctor is telling you that the, that she'll live longer one way. So now the question is, yes, I can help her. I can help her live longer. But how much do I need to expend out of myself to give her that extra longer life? The Chofetz Chaim himself writes in the Sefer Abbas Chesed that even though we're told that you don't have to spend more than 20% of your income, not of your income, of your holdings, 20% of your capital on mitzvos, that's if it's a, just a, a regular mitzvah, getting a, a, an esrig. But let's say it's something that has to do with pikuach nefesh mamish. So, for example, let's say you know that somebody is captured. And the reports are telling you that this person who's being captured might die. So the Chafetz Chaim says you can't start saying, well, I can only do 20%. You have to do even more to save someone from dying. However, as even though the Chafetz Chaim wrote that, the Pesach Hadar in the time of the Chafetz Chaim, an argument can be made that Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan became the Posek for us by writing his farim, especially the Mishnah that we were learning before. This is from his Sefer Avas Chesed. But the Posek practically that was getting hundreds and thousands of Shilas was Rav Sholem Mordechai Shodron, who Shodron, who was the Rav of Brajan, the Brajan Rov. And the Brajan Rov says that you don't have to spend all your money to save someone from death. When Rebel Yoshev was asked about this, Rebel Yoshev says the Brajan Rov is right. You do not have to spend more. It's a mitzvah, but you don't have to spend more than 20% of what you owe of what you own to save someone's life. Why does Rabbi Yoshev get that from? How do you know? It says losamod. Yes, that's the losase. Where's the ase that you have to save someone's life? So the Gemara learns it out from Hashavah Saveda. The Gemara says, Madoch, you have to run after a person's animal and give it back to him. For sure, a person needs, you need to run after the, to give back his own life. If you're, if the animal's life needs to be restored to the owner or whatever the item was, hashevo so low, return the item back to him. We say hashevo so with the vav, meaning return himself to himself. If you have to return a person's money, you for sure have to return a person's life that you have to be able to restore a person's life to himself. So Rabbi Yoshev says a chidush. We know when it comes to returning the animal, you don't have to spend everything you own to save the animal. The same thing is true in terms of saving a life. So now, thinking about what Brindle, the situation with Brindle and Yehudas, the mitzvah of saving Brindle and letting her live longer, it's not a greater mitzvah technically on the daughter than it is on anyone. 
anyone who knows about the situation would have to do what they could to save her. You would not be able to force people to take Brindle into their house in order to be able to do the better type of dialysis. Why? Because she would be able to go to the hospital. And she is allowed, whether she can live by herself or not, she is allowed, let's say she could, she is allowed, and, and you can you could say, look, I, I, I don't want you to die, but you could go to the hospital and spend those 12 hours three times a week. Now, Revel Yoshev, however, placed the following caveat. It has to be that she is getting good care. And she's getting as best care as she can from the hospital. Now, why can't she stay in the hospital and get the type of care she gets at home? Because the hospitals, as we know with COVID, are limited to who they can take and for how much time. Why can't the hospital let her sit there like her, like for uh, f- uh, uh, four times a day and do it for uh, an hour? Why can't you do it that way? Because it, you wouldn't be able to bring all the other people who need dialysis in. So therefore, in order to allow everyone to have their slot to have dialysis going to the hospital, they only do it through two or three times a week for 12 hours. So if that's the reason why, Rebel Yoshev says, that the hospital has determined that Brindle can't get the better type of dialysis, you can't blame them. They are doing what's best, and they're trying to manage the situation as best as they can. And they are not over on Los Samod because, because clearly you have everybody is just is, is, is limited to get what's practically possible for everyone. Now, clearly she'll live longer if she gets the other type of the first type of dialysis. Revel Yoshev then said, that's in the future. That's a sakana that based on statistics, you're telling me that this type of thing she'll live a, a year and a half and the other way she can live five years. He says that's based on the future. It's not a sakana now for her to be getting this type of dialysis, the second type. You're telling me that statistically she won't live as long. That's called that's not called a present sakana. That's a statistical sakana of what the future would be. If right now she's, we can't say, oh, she's going to die. She's, she, she, the prognosis is it could go on for, for, for a year and a half, whatever. So you can't tell me based on statistics that it's a sakana for the future. And as Rebel Yoshev says, statistics don't always tell the truth. We don't always know predicting what future will be. In fact, sometimes medical uh, evidence or medical determinations sometimes 
are completely wrong. And that's why we can't necessarily say, well, in the long run, this will be better. Um, Rebel Yoshev wanted to back up his psak. It sounds like a cruel psak. <laughs> but Rebel Yoshev was honest. He says, we cannot force uh, Yankel to take Brindelin based on the statistical chances of her living longer. And he wanted to use another svara, one that was said by the Tzadik Mashkiach in um, the yeshiva of the Avnei Nezel, the kosher clover, Rabbi Aryitzvi Fromer, who died in, in one of the he died in one of the concentration camps. The kosher clover, he was called, Rabbi Aryitzvi Fromer. What was the kosher clover talking about? A person who left Eretz Yisrael to go to Chutzlaretz for six years. And he's going to go back in six years. The question was, what does he do? He has a house in Eretz Yisrael, but for six years I, I have to work in the Chutzlaretz. What does he do about Yontav Sheini? What does he do about all the dinim of being a Ben Eretz Yisrael? So the Kosher Clover said, such a person is, is not a Ben Eretz Yisrael now. Ah, he's saying, I'm going to go back afterwards. Who knows? But he's determined to. You don't know what's going to be in the in the distant future. Okay, if you now you're telling me you're you're coming for five months, that's different. Once something is beyond what's the present time, like six years, that already is part of a future that doesn't have an impact in the right now in the present. And Rebel Yoshev wanted to compare that to the, what the doctors are telling you. Yes, you're telling me based on the future, she won't be able to live as long this way. That is already something a year and a half or whatever down the road that you can't use. And therefore, you cannot force, based on these mitzvos uh, for Yehudas, to take Brian in. And it could be. You never know, Rebbe Yoshev says. It might be we, we're going to find out that a hospital dialysis is now on the rise and it's out, it's actually better than what could happen in the house. Um, now, Obviously, the, 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 the husband is not the nicest guy. But the husband, as Rebel Yoshev and, and, and his son-in-law points out, if the husband's rationale is because he knows there's not going to be Shalom bias this way. And therefore, as Rebbe Yoshev says, Sholem Bayis is like money. It's, 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 it's something that you have. It's, 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 it's an item that's, that's dear to you. 
Sholem bias. And if you don't have that Sholem bias, you never know. And as we said before, she can go to the hospital. Um, no one has been over Losamod. Nobody has murdered her. And therefore, there's no Aveira here being done. Now, obviously, this is referring to Brindle and Yankel are married. I'm sorry, uh, Yehudas and Yankel are married. If it happens to be that Yankel has died, and now Brindle wants to move in with Yehudas, and of course, then let's keep it off. She has to be macabre, her mother, even though it's possible, as we're going to see, that even if she's going to lose aspects of her job and her work, that's part of Kibbutz that you need to do. Rav, Rav Zilberstein said that um, if the situation was different, if Brindle's son was Yankel. If Yankel was the son, <laughs> so again, obviously the same Dalacha would be, he would have to take her in. And he would have to give her the best type of dialysis. Even though <laughs> the Tircha would be great. Um, and Zilberstein points out that um, Binyamin told Yaakov, he said, Dad, when you want to go out to the market, I'll take you on my shoulders. Put your hands on my shoulders, just lean on me and I'll carry you. And that's why the Medrash says he was Zoha to have the, the, the Mizbeach and, and the part of the Mizbeach and and the Kodesh uh, Akdoshim and the and the the Aron was in the Chelok of Benyamin. So obviously, a, a, a son would be different. A son, of course, would have to do the best possible. What about in the same situation? Yehudis is the daughter-in-law, and she says, "I can't live." in the house where I have my mother-in-law here. Now, what do you say? So, Rev. Zilberstein develops this as well. Again, what's the reason why, again, in our manufactured case, Yehudis is now the daughter-in-law of Brindle? And we're hearing about the dialysis situation. Now, Yehudis is the one who doesn't want Brindle to come in, although Yankel has a chiv to bring his mother in. What does Yehudis say? Rav Zilberstein says, how about if Yehudis would say, she bothers me. Yes, I know she's sick, but she's always complaining. She's always saying negative insults, insults and other negative things that, that, that also disrupt the Sholem bias. She's always trying to turn my husband against me. 
what's the halacha there? Here, Rav Zilberstein points out that there's a Rambam that says specifically, Let's say she says to her husband, I don't want your mother or your sisters. I can't stay there. Why? Because they're always bothering me. Why? The Rambam says you can't force a person to take other people with him. He's already forged a bond with his wife. He can't be forced to take his mother in. What do you see from here? That a daughter-in-law has a right to say she doesn't want the mother-in-law in the house. Why? Because one of the one of the fiduciary responsibilities that a husband has is to give her a place to live. That place to live has to be comfortable. If by bringing in the mother-in-law, he, the wife is going to hear complaints and sniping, then that's not a place a person could live. Now, why? Because he's stealing from his wife. So basically, yes, it's kibbut av, kibbut aim, but it's as if he stole money to be machayim kibbut aim. This is a fiduciary money thing that you owe your wife. This is this is something that you owe her in terms of the ksuva that you agreed to provide her with a home that she could live in and that she can be comfortable with. If you can't do that, then you're stealing from her to Mekayim a mitzvah of Kibbutz That's called a mitzvah above Avera. And you can't be Mekayim that by stealing something from her. So what should you do then? Okay. Rent her an apartment then. And she's not together with your wife. And you're going to go over there and help her with the dialysis. And if sometimes she needs you to spend the night there to help, then you'll do that too. Now, again, if your wife determines that what she considers a proper married life means that you eat together on Friday night, or even if the way she determines what she expects is to eat supper together with you every day, then you would ha- you wouldn't be able to stay with your mother, your mother, in order because uh, you're depriving her from your fiduciary responsibility of giving her a place to live and sitting together with her and eating with her every day. Obviously, if, in terms of sexual activity, if she. Uh, if, if, if it's whatever the law is in terms of your responsibility to her, you can't negate that in order to be Makayim Kibbut Aim for your mother. So, if in the situation, the way we explained it, uh, Yehudas, the daughter in law, is against Brindle, technically, Yankel doesn't have to take his mother in.
And in the other case, where Yehudis is the daughter, Yankel doesn't have to take her in if he believes that this is going to, the amount of time she's going to spend is going to take off Shalom Bias. So that. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.